0: Welcome back to Martins and More. My name's Mari Roach. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have something really cool to talk about and someone really cool to talk about it with Spoon. Why don't you introduce our guest today?
1: Well, our guest is an old friend of Mari and Spoon's, going uh, back a, a good ways. He's been at Martin Guitar for quite a while, wearing a variety of different hats and uh, he's known to many people around the world and it is michael dickinson he's in the building
2: (laughs) welcome michael welcome uh thank you thank you uh yes so old hurts but yeah i've been around (laughs) a long time at martin guitar Uh, i'm getting ready to I got 32 years in, getting ready to complete year number 33 is coming up uh, in September. Wow. I started there, you know, we had a sawmill where, you know, we were buying logs from various countries all over the world. Um, And my job initially was stuff would come out of the sander. I was allowed to pick it up and put it down. (laughs) And I did that for a couple of months. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then they sent me over to what the north street building what was known as a uh, woodworker's dream uh, ah. and we used to sell you know pre-sawn lumber um all sorts of sizes all sorts of species to woodworkers and we did guitar kits for up-and-coming wannabe luthiers um, all sorts of regulations changed and we went strictly and became the guitar maker's connection. So I made guitar parts out of hunks of wood. I bent sides. I glued stuff together and assembled uh, kits for people who wanted to build their own guitars. And I also, you know, in doing that, learned how to build and repair instruments. Um, And then I was... Then from there, I went into the customer service department. Um, You know, I spent most of, you know, answering phone calls and emails from people all over the world, everything. uh, I joke it. The number one question was, you know, how do I date my guitar? And my answer would always be, you bring it flowers and some candy. (laughs) 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 Ching. Yeah. right. Um, And there, I was there for about 10 years, and then this weird job came up and it said something like, um, Go to foreign places, look at our wood supply, check, open up supply chains for wood. You know, 25% of the time you'll be traveling. And I went, This sounds cool. I mean, yeah, I'll go to a mill in Canada, I'll go to a mill in Alaska, I'll go to a mill in, in. the southern U.S. and I believe my first official trip was to Finland for some thing, and then they about a month later I was in the forests of Cameroon uh, hunting ebony trees. So it's a little little different than what I expected, but and I've been doing that now. Uh, I think it's twelve years. I've been the official sourcing specialist for. Uh, lumber and timber for Martin guitar. I had no idea you've been doing
1: that that long. That's fantastic. I remember when that happened. Um, When you're hunting ebony trees, do you have to sneak up on them? Uh,
2: Yes, you have to be very, very quiet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned the North Street building. A lot of people don't know that you're referring to the original site of Martin guitar that was behind the old Martin house that's still there. And uh, how many years did you actually work in that building?
2: Twelve? No, ten. Ten.
1: And a lot of people don't know that building kind of extends past the, that small building in the front. Did you ever make any uh, unusual discoveries, like up in the attics or down in the basements, like old Martin memorabilia from the old days?
2: Yeah, uh, surprisingly so. Um, there's three floors to that building. Well, technically four, because there is an attic. But the third floor was just boxes full of stuff, and they hired a cleaning crew to literally they opened up the window and were just throwing boxes into a dumpster.
0: <gasps> um,
2: yeah, and and one night I'm in dumpster after hours and I'm pulling out old forms from the 1800s, the 1830s and 40s, original drawings from CF the first, and a bunch of other stuff. And at yeah at that point I was a, a newbie there, but I still, I I called up Dick Boak right away at that time and I said, hey, uh, we might want some of this stuff. And he came over and together we worked in the dumpster and pulled out everything we deemed, you know, antique and vintage and needed to be saved.
1: Wow. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I I had a feeling you were gonna say something to that effect because I knew, heard stories about stuff that was just neglected and covered in dust and stuff on that building you know, the places people didn't normally go. You also were involved in customer service for quite a while, so you were wearing multiple hats at the same time uh, throughout a lot of that time period, yes?
2: Yeah, during the customer service years is when I started getting involved with the museum. When we knew we were going to expand, when we knew we were getting close to the 175th anniversary and Chris said, you know, it was either build a new building somewhere or expand the existing one. He purposely went and set up and said, no, we're, we're going to, his quote was, we're going to tell the Martin story. Because <laughs> if anybody's was at the original, or not the original factory on North Street, but the original Sycamore Place, the museum was two rooms. One was like 12 by 12, and the other one was like 8 by 12, and there were maybe a dozen instruments in there. The other stuff Chris and, and Mike Longworth and Dick Boak had collected over the years was just sitting on shelves. Collecting dust. So, yeah, when the new museum was starting to be designed, Chris said, I need somebody who knows something about really old Martin guitars and my company's history. And I just sort of like raised my hand and went, Ooh, sir, me, 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 me. <laughs>
0: You want to hear a funny story about that? You just gave me goosebumps as far as talking
2: about that small
0: room uh, where the original museum was just a couple of rooms. The last time I stood in that bigger of the two rooms was when Sandy and Charlene gave me the news that, yes, I could become a Martin dealer. My application was granted. That's the last time I stood in that that place. That was awesome. Wow. That would have been a good trivia question.
2: So does that make you old, too?
0: Wow, you're older than I thought you were. Oh. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know if I would say old.
1: Well, you young whippersnappers, I remember uh, Michael and I go back through, uh, we have several things in common. One was the Simpsons, and uh, which Mario always liked a lot too. So we used to send each other Simpsons stuff and occasionally still do. And uh, when Mike became... Uh,
2: no, no!
1: <laughs> when Michael became, they uh, moved into the wood procurement, um that year they were having a special event for the Martin Zoners club that was replacing what we used to call martin fest and at least at that time and mike was stationed in front of the new museum the museum was pretty new at that time and to hand out literature and stuff and i brought him a present um and his boss at that time saw me and asked me what i was doing and i showed it to him and and uh and he still has it, and I've seen photo evidence that he still wears it in the jungle. I bought him an old-fashioned uh, safari pith helmet yes. to take with him <laughs> on his journeys. Yes, it's not it doesn't protect you from spider bites, as I understand. But so, no. but, um,
2: <laughs> yeah. There was um, was it in for repair, or was it a custom guitar?
1: No, it was my custom.
2: Yes, and I filled a. Uh, uh, an old case up with parts from the repair department that they had pulled off of like a, a broken neck. Uh, <laughs> some guy had tried drywall screwing together a top that had, you know, had a foot put through it. And I gathered all these parts <laughs> and I I put it in the case and a uh, fr- mutual friend of ours was going to deliver it. Dropped it off and drove around the block. I think before <laughs> Todd realized what had just happened to him. Yeah, so.
1: Yes, yes. He pulled up in the big city traffic, so I had to run down and grab it. And thanks a lot, and run back up and go up, you know, and up and uh, oh. back. And it was a good ways away before I, a good time later that I opened it. That was even the first one because these, I have to say, these were actually retaliations for practical jokes that I had played on Michael at times yes. and the people at the costume shop. And the first time first time i had uh, i had leaked some photos uh, online of the actual custom shop and it was really like photographs of homer simpson and you know and, and you know, just, it just was very funny stuff that apparently custom shop didn't find too funny so mike shows up at the barton Fest <laughs> with my new custom and it was a bag full of burnt wood and a yeah. charred neck
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> You guys are terrible. So
1: we, go, we have a history about this stuff. But speaking of wood, I've also, I know, you know, you've, you've gone to India, you've gone to uh, Africa, you've gone to Central America um, and other places. You were also involved in going to Scandinavia related to Martin exploring and getting into wood torfaction faction, um, what ultimately led to their vintage tone system, which you were involved in that in some respects as well.
2: Yeah, because yes, I was. I, I went over to Finland uh, to a wood seminar that was basically about you know sustainability and using other products. And there was a gentleman over there who was uh, torifying birch, and so I talked to him. We he gave me the basic lowdown, and yeah, so brought that knowledge back to Martin Guitar, handed it off. To another mutual friend of ours, Tim Teal, and then me and Tim set about searching the universe of Pennsylvania for some place that could uh, do it locally because you know the, the freight from Nazareth to Finland would you know add thousands of dollars to every guitar. <laughs> so we had to find somebody local who had that technology available, and we found that, and uh, we're still using it to that day, or to this day. Wow.
1: To- very, very cool. So there will be there will be. Uh, Michael Dickinson's uh, intellectual DNA will be remaining at the uh, at the uh, Martin Company long after he's enjoying his retirement. So I know the the elephant in the room right now it has to do with the uh, the change of uh, spruce with the introduction of a new to Martin spruce species coming in for general use throughout the line, which is. Uh, named after the man that identified the natural hybrid species uh, by the name of Lutz. And can you give us a bit of a rundown on the when, why, and how of Lutz Spruce at Martin Guitar?
2: The when is now. Um, the why, okay. So, well, let, let's first talk about what it what is Lutz Spruce. Like you said, it is a hybrid. So... You know, you have white spruce on the one mountain. You have Sitka spruce on another mountain. And then, you know, like teenagers, they run down the mountain and co-mingle at night. So the faces of the mountain are on the, you know... So it's it Sitka, and then you might have a 10% Lutz, a 20% Lutz, a 30% Lutz, and then, you know, going up the other mountain. the The other... You know, more and more white spruce entering into the thing. Um, The truth is, a hundred years ago, we may have been using it. We just didn't know because nobody identified it. Nobody said, oh, they just called it spruce. You know, uh, when when Martin Guitar first started doing Sitka, they didn't even call it Sitka. They called it Western spruce. So, and has it hybrided before it was identified? Probably. Trees have been around for millions of years. Yeah, and it wasn't identified until
1: until the 1970s or 1980s. So the yeah. naturalists who had, you know, identified it. So it wasn't that long ago right. that they even right. knew it existed.
2: And yeah, so, so, it, it, so the truth is, uh, you know... If I locked you in a room with 10 guitars and told you two of them were, let's pick it out, I highly doubt you'd be able to do it. Because they look almost identical. Um, They're very subtle differences, but you get subtle differences between um, uh, Sitka Spruce tops. Uh, That's a good point. The Yeah. The why is for... Um, so the Tongass National Forest, um, where most of the Sitka Spruce in the world comes from you know for the most part they're going to stop logging it uh there might be some selected logging and basic that's in
1: southern alaska that's the southern stretch of alaska
2: yeah this uh southeastern alaska and the companies up there and and different government bodies said you know this this is a very unique forest um at the right you're cutting it you're going to run out of wood so um They've opted to, you know, let the forest regenerate for whether it be a hundred years or a thousand years, which which is a wonderful thing. So we've moved the, not we as in Martin Guitar, but we, the music industry, have moved a little more east and went into British Columbia. Um, And there, everything is run by indigenous people groups. And, you know, they hang out in the valley where spruce is. So that's what we have to use these days. You know, tonally, we found very little difference. Visually, there's very little difference. I, and there again, like I said, you know,
1: 100 years ago. I was just gonna say there was there was also a, uh, that forest was also hit really badly with a, a bark beetle infestation that was actually uh, destroying a lot of young trees too. And I think that's what kind of started the panic. And that was several years ago. But I think that was also part of the of the forest, and, uh, forest Service saying that something. You know, we have to protect the forest. I think that was one of the original inspirations for that all of this happening. So you are now using luts basically as the main spruce, or uh, you know, what percentage of it remains Sitka? I mean, do you know those kind of numbers? Can you share those kind of numbers?
2: The I can't share them because we don't know. Uh, it's really it, it's going to be. Um, like uh year by year it's literally going to be an order by order thing you know we are going to place an order for x amount of guitar tops and our vendors are going to say okay we can get you x amount of guitar tops however you know a certain percentage is going to be lots so
1: another other other builders have been using this
2: yeah uh, other builders have been using this wood um and there again, you know, it's cool it, It's cool to point out now only because now it has a name. But a 100 years ago, it was just called Spruce.
1: Now, the project that happened several years ago where they were handing out spruce tops to different builders and everybody built one guitar, was that Let's Spruce or was that some other hybrid? Do you remember Martin made like one HD28 for, the, for that
2: project? That was what the sonic. I think that was Sitka, because wasn't the project called the Sonic Sitka Spruce Project? Oh,
1: that's what it was. Yeah, you're right, you're right. That was the Sonic Sitka. Yeah,
2: and that was to just test, uh, and I think that project's now defunct, but I think that was just to test how Sitka Spruce reacts over a year. So you're supposed to build a guitar and send it away or keep it, um, and then every so many years do a sound test on it and check the vibration levels and stuff.
1: Ah, uh, fascinating. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, fascinating.
0: Let me ask you a question, Mike, that you might not be able to answer or might not want to answer, and you can just tell me that much if it's, if it's wrong. Uh, this whole thing about Lutz, Spruce, and you can buy a guitar from Martin now going forward. We're taping this program in late February of 2023, so somebody buying a guitar when they're listening to this show that's probably going to air sometime in March. Is it fair to say other manufacturers, say, come the summertime, somebody wants to buy a Taylor or a Gibson, do you suspect that either they're also going to be buying a guitar that could be made of spruce? And if so, do you think those manufacturers are being transparent as well, or is that just going to be called Sitka?
2: So it's a little tough for me to get into the minds of what other companies are doing, but I'm assuming that this is going to be a music industry uh, move. So anybody involved in the music industry is going to be using, if you're going to be using spruce from British Columbia, you, there's always the chance of getting some wood spruce in there. Uh, we've chosen to take the path of, of announcing it um, without boring people over all sorts of legal rules and regulations, when you're importing and exporting, especially with a hybrid species, sometimes, um, you know, there's just not enough blank spaces on the piece of paper to fill in, you know, (laughs) Sitka, X, Lutz, you know, Spruciana, you know, dot, 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 dot. So, um, yeah, and there, I, I'd, I'd have to do a lot more research to, to figure out what all the legal ramifications are. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I said, you, you know, people, uh, to, hey, have you heard of this wood? It's called Moranti. And I go, Yes, I've heard of it. Well, why isn't Martin using it? Well, because 20 years ago, it was called Philippine mahogany. And the Philippines were pretty much devastated through a variety of natural occurrences. And the wood there is just, uh, you know, it's it's taken them years to undo themselves from those situations. And it's just not commercially available right now. One day in the future, it might be. And people go, wait, Marantia? Yes, Maranti is Philippine mahogany, and and people come up with really cool names for wood all the time. I mean, the the flooring industry is great at this. You know, they will have one (laughs) genus and species of wood and call it fifteen different things. So people think there's fifteen different types of wood out there, and it's not. So um, you know, as long as you have the same genus, I was
1: gonna say it's like the mattress companies that every mattress company has a different name for their mattress and it's all made the same factory and that way you can't go compare prices because they you know our yeah, princess exactly. royal is somebody else's you know, whatever exact same thing well i will say taylor uh has been using lutz spruce on their 500 series for quite a while and they're now expanding out into other series with it but every all the taylor 500s have been Lutz uh for a while now and I'm sure the other companies are you know, starting to use it too.
2: So. Yeah, and um, I don't think anybody is purposely doing anything wrong by whether or not they're calling it Sitka or Lutz or whatever. Like I said, that, that's something we'd have to go in and look at all the um, governmental rules to see what you actually need to call what you're using. I mean, we, we've, I can speak for Martin Guitar. We've decided, yeah, we want to call it out as, sure. as almost a, a secondary type of wood.
0: So it sounds like if I'm innocently taking your remark and I'm going to figure out what you're trying to say, if somebody wants to tell us, you know, in April or May, I'm going to hold out and I'm going to buy a Gibson or a Blue Ridge uh, at the end of the year because I want to guarantee I've got a Sitka top, yeah. that's not guaranteeing that at all. It's just pushing the can down the road and they're probably going to use yeah. the same, they're all picking from uh, the same place, right?
2: Yeah, there's there's only X amount of wood dealers who deal for musical instruments, Um and, so, and we're all buying from the same places. We know each other. People will come up to me all the time and go, yeah, I bet you want Taylor to go out of business. I went, no, I have several friends who work there. And if they do go out of business, I <laughs> hope they all go out with, like, Amazon and Google stock. So <laughs> so Bob has finally gone, yeah, <laughs> Andy, I've given you the company, and now I'm closing it down. And here, here's Google stock for everybody, and they all buy beach houses and relax. You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I have no personal vendetta against any other guitar company out there. I mean, we're I, they're, again. I've I've known the wood buyer for Fender. The, I know the wood buyer from Taylor. I, I you know, I, we work at the same companies. We visit the same forest. Yeah, it's. Maybe just on our little in our wood area, we're 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 not mean and nasty to each other. We leave that to salespeople. So, <laughs>
1: well, I, I've seen the beach houses along the Schuylkill River in Pennsylvania, and and uh, you know that's that's that would be a sore consolation if people out in Taylor are getting. Uh, Pacific Ocean No beach, beach houses house for but, out, um, out
2: in San Diego. I mean, you, you know, you get great weather. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, lovely house on saying, the Martin beach. Anyway, beach houses.
1: <laughs> but uh, Pennsylvania beach house is not quite <laughs> the same. But uh, and of course, you've dealt with a lot of other woods. We'd like to talk about some of those uh, woods people don't think about. But right now, I'd like to talk a little bit about rosewood. And to begin with, I'd like to talk about. The guitar you finally had made, the Martin guitar that you had made out of uh, particular wood. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so when I hit 25 years at Martin guitar, I had a guitar made out of East Indian rosewood back and sides. But it was a pattern I have never seen before. It's basically like quilted maple. This is quilted East Indian rosewood. Um, I was in India. Um, The company I was there visiting was actually cutting electric guitar blanks for a certain electric guitar company and they split open this log and when it opened up it had this very unique pattern in it and i jumped into a pit on top of the log and started yelling mine 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 (laughs) Um, i then took pictures of it and i sent it to the wood buyer from that company i went you're not getting this this is mine Lol. <laughs> so it was quilted. It was, we, it was like I said, it was this weird quilting pattern, um, and yeah, I think we, it was, we got enough to make like eight guitars. That was about it, and a couple extra fingerboard and bridges. Um, but yeah, and, and haven't seen anything even remarkable, notably close to it since then. Uh, the uh, the one thing it did do is is sort of reinvigorated the company to look into something we had done 15 years earlier which is we now call wild grain yeah so we had purchased oh. a load of wild grain rosewood and it just sat there um, and then when i brought this set in somebody ran into the back and said well if, are we willing to use all this stuff and since then we've been doing the wild grain so my guitar sort of helped spur the whole wild grain um, scenario up and since we're talking about east indian rosewood i I notice online there's a lot of people talking about plantation rosewood Um, so I, i just want to explain plantation rosewood People think it's rosewood trees that people have gone and Road and just planted over and over and over again in long rows. And it's not like that. When we talk plantation rosewood, it's not the rosewood that's the, on the plantation. It's coffee or tea. So basically, there are coffee companies and tea companies over in India that will purchase large parcels of natural forest. And then they... Do their best to sort of fence it off. And then inside those parcels, they walk through, and that's where they will plant the tea plants and the coffee plants. So the trees that are coming off of plantation are natural forest trees. They just have, you know, coffee and tea growing underneath them. So it's not like when we talk plantation mahogany, oh, wow. plantation mahogany is the English showed up in. Central America grabbed a bunch of mahogany seeds and then went over to Fiji and other countries and planted all of those seeds in cornrows and then just walked away and let them grow for a hundred plus years. So plantation in India's natural forest, plantation mahogany is human intervention.
0: So could I make a quick comment? Would you agree uh, since East Indian rosewood is better than mahogany all the time, and it's a fact, does that mean plantation East Indian rosewood is better than plantation mahogany? Can I get you on the record while you're here? Oh
2: no, I will not say that. Um, <laughs> we we know too many people on the same forums who will quote that and email it to Chris Martin and then everybody else under the sun, and you know. Uh, <laughs> so you didn't hear it here
0: first, folks. I take the opportunity every week to push my agenda that rosewood's better than mahogany okay and you're well, no different uh, so i just had to. But everybody so,
1: knows he's kidding he's kidding um, yes. um but so go back to your guitar for a second what is what how what size <laughs> is it it's a long scale short scale
0: what style was it in and is that the guitar that you brought to show us at, at martin fest the one year when when it was at the uh holiday inn yeah yeah it's yeah. A,
2: a triple o 12 fret Solid headstock. It's got the rosewood. It has this other wood that was this really cool funky log I found at a sawmill in Pennsylvania. It was called wandu, which I believe is originally from Australia. And I just liked the way it looked, and it had this cool bubbly. So I used that for my bindings and inlays. I had used ebony from Republic of Congo that I had just pulled in. The fingerboard and bridge. It has the pick guard is a particular shape of a very early 018 we have in the museum because it's not around the center ring; it's around the outside ring, and it is a solid headstock uh-huh. instead of a slotted because there's a 12 fret dreadnought I bought for the museum that has a solid headstock and i just like that look of the 12 fret solid headstock the the whole story of the D12 fret <laughs> guitar is um, so we buy this guitar from this gentleman he's called uh, my uncle just passed away he was friends with mike longworth i buy the guitar about 3 months later this later this girl comes in and she demands to see her uncle's guitar And I'm going, oh, no. So I get the guitar, I show it to her, and I have the receipt in my hand. I'm going, we bought it from this guy, is everything. And she just then starts crying hysterically uh, about how she's getting married and her uncle was supposed to play this guitar at her wedding and he unfortunately passed away and like the tears are just flowing down her face and i'm starting to go no it's okay if you want to borrow the guitar and and then so eventually what happened is is you know what is it something borrowed something blue is the wedding thing Hmm. he had a strap in the case that was just like a a blue cord so i undid the cord i handed it to her and i said mail it back to me after your honeymoon and she did so yeah
1: (laughs) wow 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 so yes michael dickinson has inside stories nobody else does yet again uh rosewood a varieties of rosewood now and I know you were involved like uh, the time that Honduran Rosewood started showing up on Martin guitars, at least again, and Guatemalan, which had not really been showing up in Martin guitars. And now, Ma- uh, Guatemalan has been embraced and is now showing up. I have a fantastic Guatemalan guitar that, um, that you guys made for me, uh, Guatemalan Rosewood guitar with that round back spruce top that just gets better and better and better. And, uh, so tell us a little bit about the introduction or the, the embracing guatemalan now that it's starting to be used on actual models
2: not just available for custom orders embracing guatemalan rosewood so um with madagascar and the situation in madagascar um i will give credit to mr tim teal who i'm sure have you interviewed tim yet yes we had him on. okay yes we did right. we have yep um When we were down to maybe what we deemed five years worth of material left, me and Tim started looking and hunting. Honduras Rosewood was, of course, what everybody deems as the best sounding wood. Um, It's a little lighter pink hue in color, pink hue in color. And uh, the trees don't grow that big. So it's it's tough to get a lot of dreadnoughts out of them. Um, we looked into Coco Bolo, but of course, it's very oily, it's very resiny. Um, you have to sand it a little bit thinner. Um, and some people have allergies to it. So while our dust collection systems were fine and kept everybody safe, it was just some people years ago. I think it was actually, I think it was Dick Boak had a reaction to it. So we, we weren't really fond of using Coco Bolo. And there again, the, the amounts available were just not huge. And so we just wondered, wondered, looking at to different sawmills, talked to different people. And we eventually stumbled on a place that said, hey, we have this sort of rosewood. Uh, we can get you pretty. Decent supplies. We are the first company in this country that's harvesting this wood here. Um, so, yeah, we um, we started slowly but surely acquiring it, and you know, um, and we we started off slowly with a couple of limited special editions, a couple of customs um, to get the public, you know, behind it. Uh, and then eventually we got to the place where, you know, Madagascar was, had to go away and we needed the replacement, so we put this in place. Wow.
1: Well, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I, uh, I am glad you guys are doing it. Now it's available on the new D8, D-28 Authentic, um, the, uh, the latest version of the D-28 Authentic, 1937. So I think people would be very happy with those guitars. And i certainly really uh, love mine a lot. And I know Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Juber loves his a lot. And in fact, when I met um, backstage at a show he was doing in New York, we had both like that week, just started negotiations with our, on our own to have a Guatemalan Rosewood guitar I made. So we traded notes. And, uh, and like you said, you didn't go into the problems in Madagascar, but they were pretty severe politically. And,
2: uh, you know, know. In, a, in a limited supply, so... Yeah, there's... I, I think but, uh, by now everybody knows, you know, between the politics and, and the illegal logging has been, you know, in the news hundreds of times. And basically what what the did is they went to CITES, which is a, a arm of the United Nations, and said, hey, we need help. And, you know, so... At this point, supposedly everything is, as far as logging in Madagascar is supposedly closed down, and I hope it is. And I mean, and who knows? One day, um, you know, we haven't given up on them. I don't know in any of our lifetimes we'll ever see Madagascar Rosewood again, but that's no reason to give up on the cause of Madagascar, and we're in contact with people we know there, and if, uh, you know, if there's ever anything we can do to help them out, we're, we're there. And, you know, some, whether it's uh, donating money or just, you know, joining them at some of these big political conventions to just say, you know, hey, we support Madagascar and, you know, we know they're doing the right things.
1: As a guy, speaking of Martin legacies, it's important to remember that a big part of Chris Martin's legacy is his environmentalism and his... Uh, concern for the planet, concern for the environments where these exotic woods are coming from. And, uh, and that was a, you know, uh, a, had a lot, great deal to do with why this change happened at Martin. The other thing I want to mention too, is, as you mentioned, people come after you, why don't you use this wood? A lot of people don't really fully understand how much wood Martin has to use compared to little individual guitar makers. And right. that there's lots of wood that you're simply not going to see in a Martin model because you, because you can, you just can't get that much quality wood, you know, to f- to fill the need. Really,
0: um, would you guys mind if I flip the script and turn the conversation 180 degrees? Sure, go ahead, head. go ahead, right, go ahead. There was a podcast we did a few months back where Spoon was bragging about the time he helped vacuum our pool. What can you tell us about sinker mahogany? <laughs> If you could see Mike's face, that was a stupid joke. But I still want to talk about Sinker Mahogany. Uh, you know what? I
2: think I heard that podcast. I think I heard that podcast. No, uh, so Sinker Mahogany. So you know, we've we, we've done articles and on it. Um, right now, you know, we, we are quote unquote back to normal, um, but. Smaller countries with smaller gross domestic products aren't. Um, and there were all sorts of supply chain issues, as everybody knows, you know, it, and we all noticed in our grocery stores, you know, one day a shelf would be empty, the next day um, there's stuff overflowing, and another shelf is empty. And, and, and supply chain issues are still happening around the world. So, yeah, we get our sinker mahogany out of Belize. Um, there's gentlemen uh, company down there constantly pulling logs up out of the river. Uh, right now, my biggest problem is uh, getting it to the U.S.
0: Oh, Can you comment uh, or give us your take on how it differs tonally?
2: So, uh, everything I have heard and seen is that it's got a better base response than other mahogany. And, and a lot of people attribute that to the the sediment over, you know, 100 plus years of sitting at the bottom of the water. You can, when you cut it, uh, you can see in the pores, there's little pieces of, of sediment, which, you know, um, a, and I think that just gives it a reflective quality where it bounces the base better than a, a newer mm-hmm. piece of mahogany interesting
1: for people who are not familiar with sinker mahogany in the first place what exactly is it and why how did it get down there in the first place
2: so um, sinker mahogany is wood that the British cut down in what at the time was British Honduras is now Belize Um, and they used to cut the logs drop them into the river float them down the river and load them onto boats to take it back to England and the heaviest densest logs or logs that um, came up on a a dry shallow spot of the river would get stuck and eventually sink to the bottom after being you know uh, waterlogged so we've recently started working in well I think it's what it's got to be six or seven years now we started working with a company that was pulling these logs out of the river and slicing them up when when you're pulling the the wood out of the river it's it's hard to tell if some of them you can see old axe marks where the guys cut it uh some of them may have fallen naturally and may have been in down under there you know for 200 plus years maybe 300 it's tough to tell
1: from my limited experience of playing it firsthand and hearing other people play it, it does seem to have a, I would call it, it's a very full bodied mahogany sound. And whether that's all bass or just a, a resonance thing, but I'm convinced it's not just, uh, it just doesn't look different. It actually does sound different. And I think it's, you know, I, I understand why people are willing to pay more for it. So I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. Um, Does Martin have enough of it that you think it's going to be around, or is this going to be a uh, a sort of a limited time offer in terms of how long it's going to be around?
2: As long as we can find people who are willing to dive in rivers of Belize, we will have it. You know, is that three years? Is that five years? Hmm. I don't know. So it's hard to say. Uh, People you know, ask me that question all the time. It's like, you know, next year i want to order a custom out of sinker mahogany will you have it by then like i i don't know you know
1: so it's that tenuous it might not be there
2: yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the things about uh, sinker mahogany is is since in the the years that we've been down there working with another company and a uh, two other companies the one company that actually brings it out the other company that, that Mills it for us um, is the company that pulls it out has changed three different times due to circumstance. The first guy was just got up in age and decided to retire. The second guy got sick and decided to retire. And now we have a third person down there who's who's taken over the reins of the company so and if if people stop pulling it up, we're gonna stop selling it. Hmm. but hopefully once we reach back to normal, the supply of the logs will start flowing again and everybody can have their, their Sinker Mahogany Martin guitars, because Sinker is better than East Indian Rosewood.
1: <gasps> <laughs> you've heard it here first you've heard
2: it yeah. here first no. When I was in customer service, people would always call up and go, I want to buy the best guitar, was it, is it? And I always said, well, the D45. And they'd go, why? And I said, because it puts the most profit into my company's pockets. And they would get very upset at me. I was like, look, best is, um, it's hard to describe what best is. You need to buy the guitar for your particular situations. And if you're like me and Spoon and Maury, you need 12 or 13 <laughs> guitars to, to explore you know, the entire Martin universe. Good answer.
1: Yeah, 12 to start. (laughs) I did say, I gotta say, long ago ago on the UMGF that question was that, and I was sort of tongue-in-cheek saying, how many do you really need? I said, four, you need a Rosewood Dreadnought, (laughs) a Mahogany Dreadnought, a Rosewood OM, and a Mahogany OM. And three or four different people did that and told me they did that. (laughs) They actually, based on my post, they went out and bought whatever it was required to do that you get their d28 their d18 their own OM, om18v and their om28v so you have to be careful particularly when you're an expert like michael dickinson what you say in public or, or to <laughs> you know, Yeah, yeah, yes people.
2: yes i know my, my favorite <laughs> ones was i was um i was sitting at a guitar show and it was sort of semi-slow so i walked over to go talk to the the People at the Taylor booth, and I'm just sitting down. And I picked up a guitar and I strummed one chord. Like sixteen people took pictures of that <laughs> and posted it online.
0: Blasphemer.
2: Uh, I said, "Yeah," and then I was at another guitar show, and Chris Martin showed up. And this, this was, you know, when Claire was still in a stroller, and um, she saw a. One of these little mini Hello Kitty electric guitars. So, Chris, being a good dad, buys it for her. And so there she is holding her little, I think it wasn't even a, it was plastic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, so Chris <laughs> pays for it, hands it to her. Like everybody, cell phone technology was, was still had cameras, but was new. And there must have been a hundred people with cell phones as Chris is walking the, Pushing the stroller down the aisle, you know, taking pictures of, of Claire holding this little, you know, Hello Kitty guitar, you know, <laughs> and putting a look, Martin guitar.
0: <gasps> why isn't she playing an OAT? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's why they made the Claire guitar. Now we yes, know. That
2: was a, hey, we still have one of them. I, I think that was probably years after the Claire guitar because the Claire guitars were when she was born. And this was when she was in a stroller. So this would have been a year or two after wow. the Claire guitar. Yeah. But no joking aside,
1: I'm curious to know when you get the wood milled down to those very thin plates. And it goes in to the acclimation room, which for people who've never been there, is this enormous humidor warehouse. This enormous humidor warehouse that smells absolutely fantastic. How long does... Uh, wood season in there before it actually can be used and does it change based on what kind of wood it is the species spruce rosewood mahogany so forth
2: the minimum time it can spend in the acclimating room is generally about three months so there there are certain species um where you know next to the acclimating room is the sawmill where we store a bunch of lumber um so it, it can some of the lumber can be sitting out in the sawmill. Let's say it's out there two years, get sawn up into those thin plates. Um, that means its its production has scheduled enough guitars to use that wood. So once those thin plates are cut up, they come in, They we call it sitting on sticks, which is you let some air flow around it. Um, and then you take it off of those sticks and you put it on a different pallet and you put it in line. Um, so it's usually about three months from the. But there's also some wood that's been sitting in the acclimating room where I bought it in the three plates. It's probably been there, you know, five to seven years. Oh wow!
1: So when you say there's some wood, is, it, is that spruce and back inside's and woods, or is it? It's just
2: yeah. That's that way? spruce back inside's next stock. Speaking about back and sides, it's now a good time to ask you about fine veneers, Michael. Sure. Let's ask me about fine veneers. Fine veneers are wonderful. So for those of you who don't know yet, we started doing some fine veneer laminates um, on a lot of our road series instruments. So the fine veneer is, is a thin sheet. It's on the back. It's one millimeter thick. Coa or Cody with a core material in between the two pieces. Um, the sides are half a millimeter thick pieces with a core material. And we have that uh, cut and pressed in the US. And we then ship it down to our location in Navajoa And they build the SC guitars out of it, which are amazing instruments. Um, if you don't own one, you should buy one. Um, <laughs> I. I I'm drooling for one, but, you know, life gets in the way. (laughs) My bank account, my house knows every time I have guitar money set aside, because, like, first the water (laughs) heater went out, so I had to replace my water heater. So we built up the guitar fund a second time and my washing machine died, so I had to replace that. So, um, yeah, yeah. once the, the guitar money gets back up, I will definitely be owning an SC guitar and I have insider information on another instrument that's coming out soon that everybody's going to need two of. Uh, I'll have one of those. (laughs) Just fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So, and there again, it it all leads back to us trying to be as sustainable as possible. Um, You know, if you have a piece of wood. That is a guitar back, which is let. We'll just use round numbers. Let's say it starts off at approximately an eighth of an inch thick. Well, out of that eighth of an inch, you you can get six guitar backs made out of fine veneers. Oh, true. That's a good point. we, We we hope to keep the the precious woods we're using on our instruments. We love to keep them around for as long as we possibly can. So you know that everybody we play them. The next generation, the generation after that, and the generation after that have access to those same species. And one of the r- ways we can do that is definitely by using fine veneers. Interesting. And they and they sound really good too. Oh, no doubt.
1: I have to say, I was not I was not prepared for the fact that the koa and the zircote guitars, because the back is lined with it as well. Actually, sound different, and I uh, actually hear that that pretty high thing you get out of KoA, and I f- hear a little more bass as your cody. And at first, I thought, well, maybe this is my imagination because it looks that way. But I think it's because they actually put the veneer on the inside of the guitar as well, on the inside of the back, and so yes. that's what's actually reflecting the sound waves. Well, you know, even if it's just a thin, you know, millimeter. Um, but um, I was very impressed with that. The thirteens, you know, the the uh, level 13 of the road series. And, and of course the CS model uh, particularly really cool.
0: So Michael, you talked about not predicting the future and how could you know? Uh, I'd like to ask you, when do you think you'll see the first SC-13E variant in the museum?
2: It's already there.
0: Well, I mean, as a vintage piece.
2: <laughs> oh, as a vintage piece. Um, <laughs> let's see. Okay. I will be, Retired or at least very old. Um, if if we could get like John Mayer to play one, I'm sure that would make sure it has to be in there as a vintage <laughs> piece. If, if, you know, the first celebrity who plays one and then sells off all of their stuff, we will go to auction and I will be bidding on it if I'm still around. So I'm pretty sure within like 10 years, some celebrity will once again decide they need to, you know, auction their stuff off for charity. Kidding
0: aside, though, that's a wonderful false story. And can you tell us a little bit about the museum and and how you're
2: connected to it? So yeah, I I basically I buy the guitars for the museum and I help Jason honor with the displays and stuff and tracking the things. And there again, it was just uh, as I mentioned previously. You know, it was one of those things where Chris wanted to open up a much larger museum, and I had. Read the Mike Longworth book 27 times, and devoured as much information from um, you know Walter Carter and you know Fred Oster in Philadelphia and and Jim Washburn and Richard Johnson and all these guys who had like just spent decade after decade just researching old guitars and you know where I am very very Martin centric you know some of those people they can what they know about Martin's you know they also know that much about old Gibsons and they can tell you you know screw hole locations on old fenders and all that sort of stuff and that <laughs> boggles my mind but yeah when it comes to Martin guitars i just did everything in my power to talk to and read everything i could about old Martin guitars and and when chris asked for a volunteer to start taking over the purchasing of these guitars I just like went me 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 I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and he said okay and, and I've you know we've purchased um, a lot of really cool musical instruments um, you know, I said there's that uh, we got the first stamp D28 um, I, I went up to an auction and met Richard Gere, Hi. who is um, four foot two in real life. Um, I want to meet him. So for all, yeah, so uh,
1: six five uh, Mike Dickinson. Um, yeah,
2: six five, and then at the the show, I had dress heels shoes on, which had probably like a, a half an inch heel or so. So yeah, and literally the poor guy came up to my belly button. But he's a guitar geek, so like I said, hi, I'm Mike Dickinson. I work at Martin Guitar. I buy guitars for the museum. He was just like as staring straight up at me going oh that's so cool you guys need to buy this guitar this i want to come down and see it and <laughs> and it it was really cool and um yeah so i, I we bought that one from him and we bought a uh, one of the original specials guitars that sort of led into the production of the d45 Nice. Um, i got a chance to bid on roy rogers OM45 um, I bought another OM45 at an auction you know couple of D28s, D18s I, I know there was a there was a, a they put a poll or something on the UMGF one day with so like what is your work guitar and how many do you have at work and I, I typed in um, pre-war 120 um, post-war uh, 8,642. Because <laughs> you know, I, I was lucky enough to have a, a warehouse full of them at the time, so yeah.
0: Boy, restringing day must really stink for you.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to speak out of turn, and I, I think Spoon would agree with me, but you talked a few minutes ago about uh, your guitar fund and then the washing machine breaks and stuff. I think you got bigger problems if you're buying all these guitars for the museum. That's where your money's going,
2: Michael. <laughs> well, that, that's I'm lucky enough to be able to spend Chris Martin's money on those. Uh, oh, no, oh, the, oh, never the mind. Personal, never mind. yeah. The the personal fund is is not is not om pre-war D forty five level. Um, I wouldn't even know what to do with a pre-war. I would be if I owned a pre-war D forty five. I would be so afraid to play it that i'd probably just lock it up somewhere so uh (laughs) the the guitars i have in my collection right now are are player beaters nothing the coolest thing i have is my custom everything else is just a couple guitars i built over the years and some beaters i picked up (laughs) here and there nice
1: well, Laurie bought Maury a D forty five for Christmas, so he now is afraid to play that. <laughs> it's true.
2: Yeah. I've learned to play it in the case. <laughs> yes. You gotta get that first nick in it sometime nope 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 and then you bring it back down and and we'll we'll buff it out for you and get rid of it and then (laughs) the second or third one you won't cry as hard
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's like the uh the dr jekyll and mr hyde i have the om28v oh yeah it looks like uh you know we all drove over it with my car and the d45 is the polar opposite and i uh i get to kind of pick between both of them when i'm done a busy work day but that d45 uh, it's it's pre-war, world four, so it technically is a pre-war guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Even
1: pre-war war three, for that matter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, indeed. Now I know you said Martin's back to normal now after the pandemic and all that, um, but you have not been going overseas yet. Do you have any uh, trips planned? Do you have, have anything in the works?
2: Yeah, I'm getting ready to head to Africa. Actually, I started off this morning uh, at the doctor's office to make sure I was up to date on my shots and pick up all the anti-malaria meds I need and then had my blood work done to make sure I'm healthy enough to travel. So beginning of March, I will be heading over to Africa to go look at wood. Wow.
1: Excellent. Well, we spoke about sustainability and the fact that you get to go to places like jungles to look for wood. Um, we haven't really spoke much about domestic woods, uh, other than talking about the Sitka that comes from southern Alaska. Uh, Martin certainly has a lot of domestic woods. They don't use them that often. But what are some of the American, like United States of American grown uh, woods available from Martin if somebody wanted a... Uh, a not just a guitar made in america but wanted the trees made in america what do you have and and how popular are they in terms of custom orders and that kind of stuff
2: so first let's not forget hawaii is part of the united states and we do a lot of koa yeah with ukuleles and guitars um you know sometimes it's you know because it's not part of the the continent we forget about that but so we we do use a lot of koa um other woods of course cherry which has been in our fsc certified guitars for as long as we've been fsc certified uh since i think what the first time we did that was in 97 um you know we've used cherry
1: that being the forest stewardship Council, by the way
2: yes um and of course we've done lots of walnut guitars. Um, We've done, you know, there's several different species of walnut that grow throughout the U.S. and we've done pretty much every species. Um, And and that comes and goes in popularity. I mean, what we've noticed is like we can sell a thousand walnut guitars and then people who want them sort of cool off and then six months or a year will go by and then all of a sudden walnut gets popular again we've done sycamore in the past of course there's eight different variety of maples you know not just species but you have you know your bird's eye maple your quilted maple your all the different names for flame whether you call it flamed or curly or tiger or fiddleback Mm -hmm. we have all of those varieties in stock, and and why they're not as, why we don't make as many of those as we do, you know, mahogany instruments. We do constantly, steadily, you see them rolling out of the factory, you know, as I walk through every day. You can see those all going through. And and it's one of those things where you're constantly on the lookout for any species that is cool looking and sounds good one point i brought in close to 200 different new species that we went through testing uh, to see how they would work Um, and now we're going back and looking at those because some of them were just you know lookalikes to other woods so you know why you know Buy a mahogany-looking wood if you can get mahogany, and now we're going. Okay, well, if mahogany gets sourced, we'd now want to start looking at mahogany wood. So we're going back and re-revisiting that sort of stuff. Um, as far as American woods, uh, holly we do, but holly's mostly like inlays. The trees are usually small, so we'll do like inlays and bindings out of holly. Uh, yeah, spruce, you said spruce, which is, can come from the U.S. Uh, Off the top of my head, I think that's about it as far as, um, you know, American woods.
0: So any of our listeners that might be thinking, why don't you just make all of your your guitars from, like, the the neighborhood and walk around, you know, Nazareth and Lehigh Valley and just build everything there? That's not, it's not as easy as that sounds.
2: No, no. And everybody knows there's another guitar company that's doing urban forestry. Which is fine. Without getting overly scientific, um, trees in general uh, like living together for the most part. And when you plant a tree and it sits along a pathway in a park and you know, 50 or 60 years later it, it no longer sustains life and you cut it down, that does not mean that tree is good for building guitars. you you got to cut the tree into lumber and you got to look at the grain and you got to look at the stability is there any rot was there any wormholes you know we get people all the time who call up and go i have an old walnut tree that sat on my grandpa's farm for you know 300 plus years and you know that if you cut that tree down somewhere in the middle of it there's going to be a large hunk of metal because somebody nailed something to it at one point or another (laughs) and you know the, the sawmills I work with in in the area, the last thing you want is a very large bandsaw blade hitting an old, you know, piece of rebarb because oh. things just go flying all over the place. Um, wow. and even, you know, a lot of times if the piece has been there so long and it rusts really bad some of their handheld metal detectors won't even pick it up and they run into it and it just goes bang. Wow. And it, it's horrible. So, yeah. A lot of our, you know, when people are, are cutting lumber, they're cutting lumber for, you know, your woodworker, your door manufacturer, your furniture guy. And when you cut wood for guitars where it has to be quarter sawn, it's a whole different resawing scenario. So they need to make sure that they're not, going to lose money in the hopes of possibly one day making selling a guitar set you know they need to make sure that the log is guitar quality and that they can resell it and make some money out of it
1: it's not just the species of wood it's also like you said the the grain has to be correct the 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 uh, for the stability sake of it because this is uh, particularly when you're talking about solid wood guitars you're talking about extremely thin pieces of wood that are gonna be put under enormous amounts of stress. And like you said, you don't wanna get scientific about it, but there's a great deal of science and engineering that has to come into play. Um, There's that famous story where uh, Fred Martin said that his father had cut down a spruce tree in their own backyard, assuming it was gonna make great tops and it was worthless and they just used to make bracing because it just just wasn't uh, viable. Um, Let's see, we've covered a great deal of topics here and a great deal of Michael's uh, areas of expertise. And when you look back at everything you've done, what are the things that really stand out to you of that you're gonna take with you when you leave um, uh, Martin Guitar and uh, you know, that you're gonna think back on as as some of your favorite, either favorite achievements or favorite things you've you've experienced while you were at C.F. Martin and
0: Company. Besides us.
2: Besides hanging out with the unofficial Martin Guitar Forum and um, hauling guitars throughout the factory so that Todd can record himself and then talking to our IT guys because it doesn't matter how much time Todd had to prepare, he forgot a cord somewhere at home and I had to run to our IT department and go, hey, do you have a spare this type of cord so Todd can do it? or, oops! Todd <laughs> forgot his battery again. He has to plug in. You know that—that that sort of stuff is going to stay with me every time I see Todd. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so, gosh! As far as what will stay with me is, it's it's weird little things. Like I mentioned earlier, the story about my custom and that girl who cried at her uncle's guitar. That that will stay with me when I went to grade school, the secretary's name, I better not say it, we'll, we'll just say Mrs. Smith. And our vice president of human resources at Martin Guitar was Mrs. Smith's daughter. <laughs> and I used to call her by her first name only. And somebody looked at me and said, you need to address her as Mrs. Smith. And I looked at them right in front of Mrs. Smith. And I said, she is not Mrs. Smith. Her mom is Mrs. Smith and will forever be Mrs. Smith. This is always going to be Debbie. And <laughs> Debbie just laughed hysterically over that. So that that conversation, um, diving into the pit at um, the Rosewood Mill to get a, a small section of a log to use on my guitar. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, being at different auctions and... Uh, having lunch with steve earl wow um i was sitting down having lunch with steve earl and you know we used to have that little pizza place across the street and i'm sitting there and i'm having lunch with steve and i just start laughing and he goes mike what are you doing i said nobody else in this restaurant knows there's a Grammy Award winning artist in the building. And if you started singing right now, everybody would figure out who you are. But right now, nobody knows who you are. And I just, I found that funny as could be. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we
0: don't have the uh, royalty money to sing that song right now, but I appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Thank
0: you. Okay, Michael, I have a two part question for you. Besides the safari hat that Spoon gave you years ago, what is the best gift? You ever received that Martin guitar and why is it Lori's apple pie
2: <laughs> so me and your wife have had a very unique relationship oh um, mostly based around food mostly yes um, <laughs> the rest of the relationship was based around the fact that she would always forget my name and then call somebody in sales and go, you know, the really tall guy that buys the wood. <laughs> and eventually that person would then email me that, you know, Lori was asking me a question about something or telling me, hey, call Maury. It's his, when is your birthday? That's it just passed. Well, I guess she didn't do that this year. It just passed a couple of weeks ago, January 13th. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, this, I thought it was in January. It was a month ago. Well, happy birthday. Belated. Well, you thank tell you. Her sh- she's slacking.
0: Well, not just that, but you're actually right <laughs> on target. But uh, right church, wrong pew. Spoon's got a birthday coming up in a couple weeks now.
2: Oh, well, happy birthday to you, too. <laughs> but you knew that.
1: Thank you very much. I still want to hear about this apple pie that I've.
2: Seen. <laughs> you're now going to be M2 Premium grade. Ah. Uh oh, it's true. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, what was the so I know at martins on main every year we've done it um we talk about guitars and I always mix food into it and tell people that you will buy them free food if they buy a guitar through you at martins on main yes and i've I've gone over um. Pierogies, uh, shoe fly pie, I think it was, and some Moravian sugar cake, um, and, and several other foods over the years. Um, and I think the apple pie was. Well, I, I believe I was still in customer service, and you needed um, a part, like a replacement electronics or something, and I said, sure, but it's going to cost you, and. When you finally showed up, you had a pie in hand. (laughs) That's correct. And then brownies once,
0: Uh, I think. Brownies might have been around her birthday, but the the apple pie started when Lori and I first became a Martin dealer. We thought it would be so cute. We're going to make these. Well, I'll say we, but all I did was bring them in the car. Lori made these homemade apple pies from scratch, and you should have seen the amount of time and mess that she went through to make maybe six or seven of them. And then the next christmas season came along and she's like well i I can't not do it again and it was 13 and after the third year she's like i cannot make 40 pies you you and i know too many people at martin now look what you started and i think the whole thing fell apart and i don't want to get in trouble on this broadcast and i think only mike dickinson got one one year because she couldn't make a bunch and she couldn't not give mike a pie
2: that's what i remember Oh. oh yes well and tell her i appreciate it and uh i miss them and, yes, that that was always my uh, – because I think that the very last year it came in with um, those little pressure sensors that you put on your, your guitars when you're shipping them to let them know if it took a bang. Oh, yeah. Um, you had coated the entire <laughs> box with those pressure sensors.
0: That is true.
2: To make sure that it got there um, without any any, you know – bumps or bruises to the pie.
0: It's hilarious. Good times, Mike. Good times.
2: Yeah, <laughs> definitely.
0: Well, Michael, you don't know what the music means, but we do. I think we're out of time.
2: Oh. Okay. Well, thank you very much for having me.
1: Well, and thank you for being on here. We've been wanting to do this for a very long time, so yes. so uh, I look forward to seeing you soon uh, as NAMM coming up and, and our trip to the factory will be coming up, so so we'll catch up then.
2: All right, sounds good. Thank you so Look much, Michael. To seeing you still
0: from all, yeah, all us, no, all right. from all of us at Maury's Music. I'm sorry. From all of us at Maury's Music.
1: I just said, listening. "Give
2: Lexi a belly rub." <laughs> Hear you later. I don't. I don't know what he said, but it sounded like something about a belly rub. And a Isn't dog. <laughs> yes, I said, "Give
1: Lexi a belly rub for me."
2: Okay, yes. yeah, I will give right. Lexi a belly right, rub for is... you. From all of us at Maury's Music. yeah, don't worry about Like I said,
1: cut out.
0: From all of us at Mori's so, Music, give Lexi a belly rub. Now you're both quiet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Scratch you later.
0: <laughs> this has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at moreysmusic.com.